Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Randall Sanders, black belt in jiu-jitsu in the Nashville, Tennessee area. He's coming back on for the second time today. He voted for Biden in 2020. He plans on voting for him again in 2024. And we were able to have a very civil conversation. Really enjoyed the episode. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by fellow jujitsu practitioner, actually black belt uh, from down in Tennessee. We have Randall Sanders is on the line with me. Randall, how are you today? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I'm I appreciate for round two. <laughs> yeah, certainly appreciate you, you coming back on the show. As a reminder, or I don't even know if I introed it properly last time you were on, as a testimony to me at least wanting to be, trying to be, um, may not always seem that way, but I do want to be promoting like open dialogue with people who have similar views to me, but also people who their opinions are different than mine politically. Um, Randall and I have not met each other in person. We connected through uh, Facebook and you have found, I guess my, because I do make some wild posts. I make some wild political posts, piss off the left, piss off the right. I do piss off the right too, right, Randall? Yeah, no, that's correct. Okay. Uh, um, But... I, of course, am a former Republican, always voted Republican. Now I'm more of a libertarian anarchist. I will not be voting uh, for Trump or Biden in 2024. But Randall has participated in the conversations on many of of the threads uh, that I have made. And I have really appreciated, and we've messaged a little bit, I've appreciated you engaging with me on the the topics. And and of course, here we are. On the last episode, you made a little bit of a case for why, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you made a little bit of a case for why you are going to vote for President Biden for the 2024 election. 
Yes. Yes. And on today's episode, you are going to elaborate a little bit about what what some of your thoughts and ideas. One thing I did notice from last episode, you were not as much of like a gun grabber type. Oh yeah, yeah. So you're 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 fr- coming at it from the left, but you're not quite as big on the gun control. Am I exaggerating? Uh, probably not. I mean, because there's a lot of, I think sometimes like the gun control stuff. Like somebody hears that and they're they think you know Beto standing up there. We're gonna come take all your AR-15s and stuff. It's like even if I thought that was a good idea, just realistically, that ain't happening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what RFK said. You that know, was RFK's yeah. official stance. Did did you follow the candidacy of RFK Jr. much? A little bit of it. I haven't recently. Like once he went third party, I respect it. Like you have obviously have the right to do it. It whoever people vote for, um, vote shaming is stupid. I think um, no one's entitled to your vote. So whoever you want to vote for is who you want to vote for. They're running, or even if they're not running, you want to write them in part of it sure um but i was like he doesn't have much of a path and then and then people start the left wanted to write him off anyway because they didn't want or not the democratic party wanted to write him off um because they don't want challengers to biden and so republicans were using him to try to like dig at biden like oh you know he's he's helping and then when he went third party they stopped kind of bringing him on a lot of times because it seems like he might pull people away from Trump and they're like, hmm, now he's not as useful. So he's kind of died down, I think, with how much attention he's gotten. So I haven't followed as much um, the last probably two, three months. I haven't either. Um, of course, from a libertarian stance, from my stance, he caught my eye early and often. I enjoyed reading his book about Fauci, very critical of, of course, for years of like vaccines and the testing and things like that. So I enjoyed that book. So that had me, I was listening um, and he articulated a real anti-war stance when it came to being anti the Ukrainian war. Mm-hmm. Um, but when this Palestine thing happened, man, the, the whole Israel-Palestine thing is just a, 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 a different is it, can you describe what I'm saying there, Randall? If someone's listening, they don't know what it is I'm referring to. When the Israel-Palestine thing came along, it was just different for RFK. It was different, and it's different for a lot of pe- people. What is it you think I'm saying there? A lot of people seem to have principles until there becomes a time where you have to stand for those principles against people you like um so very anti-war you don't want to intervene and help with ukraine when russia invaded them with the rfk thing specifically and there's a lot of people as well on the right and left who are anti-interventionist currently and then the israel palestine thing goes back before october 7th but hamas attacks israel October 7th, and now everybody's like, we have to help. Give them however much money. Give them the weapons. Don't look at if they've done war crimes. Don't look at how they're conducting the retaliation. Don't don't look at how the war efforts are going. Um, just give them all this money. Go to war. We'll help the trade routes in, in the Red Sea. I think, whatever. The trading channel where the Houthis are trying to 
intervene as their um, protest to the war. Um, and so it's like people are flipping on that. They're like super pro-war now because it's Israel. And so it's, you know, kind of upsetting with some of <laughs> the people have flipped on that. It's like, at first I get it, but we're over a hundred days in. It's like, okay, now we should examine is what we're doing effect, or I guess is what Israel doing effective? We're backing it. So effectively, are we being effective as well with helping an ally achieve a goal or objective? I don't think so. I don't think it's been very effective. Um, I don't think it's been helping Israel become more safe, you know, by completely decimating Gaza and just bombing everybody in a hugely, massively dense, dense population area. Not only that, but bombing now. What? Le- Lebanon, Le- Iraq, yeah, Lebanon. I mean, like just every- all these countries <laughs> around there just bombing the shit out of their neighbors. And you're mm-hmm. supposed to tell me this is making it, the people who live in Israel safer? That, that like, everyone over there is going to hate them way more? I mean, let's just, yeah. let's just analyze even just that angle on it, even take everything mm-hmm. else out of it. I, I don't see how making now i know i guess with the abraham accords and some different things and over the years we do we basically give egypt just tons of money we give a lot of those Mm -hmm. countries money so some of them are kind of on the take from us and maybe they'll keep quiet but these radical groups are not becoming less angry because of this at all so i say you Mm -hmm. hate them or whatever there's no way they're seeing all this bombing and, and this is making them less enthusiastic the sunnis and the shias are coming together Okay, they're all just wild. Yeah, they're coming together and they're going against uh, really the West and, and just fanning yeah. the flames of it is what we're, we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to just do a, a foreign policy topic right at the beginning no, like that. <laughs> oh, good. Um, no, I do think that's an interesting topic, of course, though. I, I am a recovering Republican. I've been about four years now where I, I've taken a complete step back from the two-party system has been what I've tried to do. And I do view the Republican and Democrat Party a lot more similar to each other now than I did before. And I can admit, at least rhetorically, the people I listen to podcasts, sources of media on the left, Democrats more so, whatever you want to call it, they, their foreign policy opinions seem to be more, much more aligned with an anti-war type uh, 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 of stance, which I, I do think is a good thing. So I, I, I'm almost to the point where I would say, who's better, Republican or Democrat, net, net positive, net uh, negative type situation. I really don't don't know. For years, I would say that I still thought you know all things being equal. I would have said the right was was better. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to be honest, I know you're coming at it more from the left. But I'm I'm about there. And foreign policy is the main issue for me now. Biden's dog shit on foreign policy. Yes, always has been. <laughs> he's he's been a the, the neoliberal like you know triangulation thing. He came up through with Clinton of meet the Republicans halfway with a lot of things, but there are a lot of things that military industrial complex and war and stuff like that. He's always been 
in favor of those. Yeah, he was a huge proponent of the Iraq War. Um, I don't remember fully going back into the 90s and stuff and, and 80s when he was kind of cutting his teeth as a uh, like newer member of Congress. But I'm pretty sure he's never voted against an increase in military spending. He's never voted against any war. He's never like really outspoken against, well... <laughs> He did tweet when, which is funny, um, so this happened recently. So he tweeted against Trump when Trump assassinated, well, a lot of people call it an assassination of General Soleimani, one of the generals for Iran, when he went to Iraq to talk to them. Again, Soleimani, a uh, huge anti-ISIS person. ISIS's philosophy is uh, completely different from the Iranians theocracy ideology well trump drone stroke drone struck drone striked uh, whatever the verb for that one use a drone to kill soleimani in iraq and biden was like you can't go around congress and do that and just bomb countries as you know act of war well now that biden went around congress did not get approval bombed yemen uh bombed some places in iraq bombed some iranian stuff like all the houthi uh attacks they've done they're now like well it's not a war huh that's it <laughs> we're using drones to bomb some people who then bombed our people how is that not a war well it's because he called for biden or for trump to be impeached for doing the exact same thing and now he can't say well yeah i'm doing it like screw off he is but he can't come out and say it because he's a hypocrite on it He's doing the exact same thing. So although you voted for Biden, you plan on voting for him again, he wouldn't be your ideal representation of a left-leaning Democrat. Who would be your, if you had to pick a, maybe a member of Congress or someone out there, who would be consistent with Randall Sanders' view of a relatively good representation of what you stand for? Hi, Bernie Sanders. Um, that was definitely one of the more... Uh, I guess invigorating candidates I had seen back, you know, when he launched in 2015 um, or 2014, whenever he launched to run against Hillary. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay, you know, stuff he's saying kind of makes sense. Like he, he was not great at the start of the Israel Palestine thing. <laughs> to be honest, he has called for a ceasefire now, which seems good. And he's like, okay, yeah, this, this ain't going the way. Israel said, like, they don't, they don't seem to be following what they initially said they were going to do. It seems to be a lot more massive destruction versus targeted going after Hamas. Um, so I think he's come around on that a little bit. He, his foreign policy wasn't always, always the best, but, um, more of his domestic policies and things like that of kind of trying to tackle homelessness, the hunger issues, um, housing issues, um, income inequality, things like that, where he seems to be more in line with me of like set a floor and then you can go up from there, um, make sure everybody has the basic needs kind of met and then off to the races, go, you know, go from there where he's, he's not. He's not a full socialist. He doesn't want the government to take over every industry and control prices and do all these things. 
but some industries they should because it seems the profit motive in those industries has not bolstered those industries it seems to have gone backwards as we've gone away from public investment in those last time you were on you said one of the good things biden had done was he had put someone in charge of the sec which is the securities and exchange commission basically the people who regulate wall street that type thing um who was that? And I assume that that is consistent with the point that you're making. What's an example of that? I was a little off. It was the FTC. <laughs> it was. Oh, I said I said SEC, but it was it's Lena Khan at the FTC. Oh, okay. Um, Federal Trade Commission. Um, so I was I was a little off. I think he has put a new person in the SEC, but I don't remember who that one. Oh, okay. Was. But the FTC. I see. Okay. I apologize. Yeah, I. I, did, I well, I did. I said it wrong. In I said SEC episode, last time. Okay. I was so wrong. I on assumed that. Yeah. that the director. I didn't even research who the director of the SEC was. Okay. So let me reframe that. Um, <laughs> That's my fault. Yeah. Okay. What's an example of an industry that you're referring to that would be too, uh, uh, you know, susceptible to being corrupted for whatever reason? Healthcare, I would say, is the biggest one. Um, the Profit motive in healthcare was originally supposed to make it better for medicines, healthcare um, uh, services, things like that. What seems to happen is the private insurance model has created billions of dollars in profit and no increase in better services. The pharmaceutical industry tons of profit almost none of that goes to research and development or at least as a percentage of where the profits go it's all stock buybacks executive bonuses things like that and are drugs actually any better now no they usually just change one little thing in the drug and now you get another patent for 20 years it's the same drug but now you can't get a generic because they changed one tiny little thing and it does the exact same thing, but you get to extend the patent. And so the profit motive seems to have decreased the uh, like expansion of good pharmaceutical drugs. And then the services, a lot of these hospitals, the nurses are overwhelmed, the doctors are overwhelmed, the facilities get run down because they have to make a profit. Well, if you invest in the building for upgrades, your profit goes down because you have spent money. If you pay doctors more or you hire more doctors, hire more nurses, hire more staff, your profit goes down because you're spending more money. The argument is if you invest, you could make more because it becomes better over time. But a lot of corporations now only look at quarter to quarter profits. They don't care that in five years they may have screwed everything up. They just made, you know, two billion dollars a year for five years. Like we made ten billion dollars. If the company goes under, oh well, I'll just be a CEO somewhere else. They don't really care. Um, and so there's not as much long term. Uh, the corporations aren't looking as much long term as they used to. It seems. Um, and so I think with healthcare specifically. The way we've tried it has not seemed to work. And it's difficult to say to change that whole industry by keeping it private and say you have to. You would say it's private right now? Yeah. 
I mean, obviously the government does have like its hands in it. <laughs> Clearly, um, you know, with Obamacare, you mandate people buy insurance, but they mandated they buy private health insurance. They didn't just offer health insurance. There's no public option. Why? Well, the insurance companies didn't want a public option because if everyone could just sign up for a public option, they'd be like, wow, private insurance sucks. To be perfectly honest, <clears throat> like I have to go through all these plans. What like what do I want covered with my health insurance? My health, my whole body. But what do you mean? Like I got to choose like I have to say I have to pay you every month, but I have to save like ten thousand dollars in case anything happens because the first ten thousand is on me. And but I've been paying you five hundred dollars a month for 10 years. Where the hell is that gone? What's that going to? And then you're going to decline medical. Like you have an algorithm now that just declines services. Like a doctor says, hey, you need an x-ray. And they're like, yeah, we don't believe you. So you got to pay for that on your own. What the hell have I been paying you for? One thing that is not um, really deniable is that the United States healthcare system is incredibly wasteful and Mm -hmm. inefficient and not. I mean, what about the pharmaceutical industry? What do you think of that? You think that's corrupted? I mean, yes and no. So I think, like, the scientists that actually work on the drugs and all that stuff, I think they do legitimately want to come up with good products, good ideas, things to help people. But the business aspect of it is make money. There's, from what I've read, uh, there's very few actual drugs and like breakthroughs that have come out of the private market that did not either start at a university or some type of like, well, I guess most of them come out of universities. And most of those universities' programs are funded with taxpayer dollars. And then the private companies buy those patents or go after those doctors who have already kind of basically come up with it, employ them. And it's like, well, you didn't do any of the research. You didn't front this. Taxpayers did. And now you get to resell it back to us at insanely insane profit margins. It's ridiculous. So it's like I think the doctors do or the researchers do want to do good and come up with good uh pharmaceutical drugs and, you know, cures and all these things. But then after that point, when you get to the profit margin point, the whole point is to sell it for as much as possible. And you, you're you like, by the nature of that, you're going to price out people who could use it. And if they die, they die. But you need, you, you have to make as much money as possible. That's, that's how we set up our corporations. That's, that's their only goal, is to make as much money as possible. So it's like you can't mark it down because that would be against your company's legal motive. This may seem like a question that's out of left field to bring it back to foreign policy. Mm-hmm. We have about, almost 800 uh, military bases across the world. In my opinion, I know this sounds extreme. We should have far fewer, maybe even zero 
type thing. I don't know. What do you think of that statement? Yeah, just as a quick question. I, mean, I agree. You agree yeah. with me on that? Okay. So I would have. You should probably have a few with allies and like strategic place. I mean, the globe's big. Like it'd be hard to launch, you know, a full military thing from here and protect an ally halfway across the world. But like, I don't know, four, five. Like it shouldn't be eight hundred. <laughs> so based on what I've heard you say and what I've heard you say in the past, um, I'm guessing, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you, a strategy going forward in your mind would be dramatically cut the spending for the the wars the war machine really cut a lot of that shit out take yes. some of the money that we're wasting on that bullshit that only gets certain people rich take mm-hmm. some of the money that we are printing and investing into that some of that and invest it back into social welfare programs within our country yes instead in that you know in a more efficient way perhaps you'd be open to certain departments even a libertarian minded person saying okay we got to audit this department seems very inefficient things like that right oh for sure yeah you, you admit Completely there's probably ton, tons of wasteful aspects to the government existing i mean yeah it depends on how you define wasteful i guess um like Vivek and Ramaswamy a, or, or Javier Malay, they've got they're talking. They they're doing crazy shit like just cutting, you know, fifty oh, yeah, percent of the government. Yeah, because I started paying attention to a few more of the stories about him because after because like I had an idea of who he was. I knew that he won and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I get, yeah, he's cut a ton of stuff. Just <laughs> in the first, tons. Like, two months or whatever. Okay, so I'm like, not I'm not suggesting you you take that approach. <laughs> I'm not saying well, that, with, of course. Because with, with wasteful, it depends what the argument for like government spending is. Because if if you're like, is it wasteful to employ a person? I mean, no, the money's going into the economy because they're getting that salary and then they're spending that money. Whether they do an actual job or just show up and just move a chair across the room for eight hours, which obviously doesn't accomplish anything, but that money is then going to go into the economy because they're going to buy food. They're going to buy clothes. They're going to buy, well, I guess it depends how much you give them if they need a car, but like they'll, they'll buy stuff in the economy. That money does get put into the private market. Now, if you, I would argue it would be wasteful in the military portion to keep giving companies that make $2 billion and have however many employees they have. It's not that many based on the trillions we give the defense department over the decades for them to get more yachts. I think that's wasteful because that doesn't actually circulate through the economy to be like, really, they're not spending all of their money. So it just sits somewhere. Currently, we have $34 trillion of debt. Mm-hmm. And we, have, of course, borrow most of that money from Japan and China. China's number one. I think Japan's number two. And we print a bunch of new money. It seems to me, from an inflationary type perspective, to be on a collision course for just an absolute catastrophic ending. What do you think of that statement? Heard that for quite a while. <laughs> Hasn't quite come true yet. Okay, okay. Yeah, if all of a sudden tomorrow they printed a hundred trillion dollars and just gave a hundred trillion divided by 
330-ish million Americans, inflation would clearly skyrocket. Like, one, we'd run out of products because everybody could just buy whatever they wanted. Let me know. They could just straight run out of products. Um, so there is a level to how much you can increase per year over five years, 10 years, something like that. Um, have you looked at those charts though? Like the amount of debt we've taken on over the years and then like recently mm-hmm. and it's just going str- like the, have you seen that? The crazy amount of yeah. printing and they all said, that shit? I mean, they, they said the same thing after the 08 financial crisis. We printed twice as much money as the US has ever printed to bail everybody out. And then uh, it got back on track and started going up. And then COVID, we printed twice as much money as we've ever printed before. And, you know, inflation went up a little bit but it seems now that it's more widely accepted i was saying this at the beginning there were like clearly with covid there were input prices that were going to make inflation happen the whole world economy shut down like obviously stuff was going to go up because you just couldn't get anything so there was much less supply and there was more demand for things just based on people still wanting to buy stuff but once things kind of started getting back to normal, that never leveled off. Companies just kept increasing their prices. And it was, I think it was price gouging by a lot of the companies because they said in their shareholder meetings that are publicly available because they have to publish them. Yeah, they keep talking about the debt. I mean, they keep talking about inflation on the news. Customers and the public are like, man, inflation just keeps going up. So we just keep raising prices. All that does is increase our profits. Our inputs aren't going up, but customers are going to accept it because the news just keeps saying there's inflation, there's inflation. So you they just keep raising it by those, a little bit each time. You would admit those businesses often incur increased expenses on their behalf too, though, right? Some of them did, but a lot of them didn't. They just kept, they, they were, just, were like, everybody believes there's inflation, so we'll just raise prices. And that's just straight profit. Like we had inflation and then companies made record profits. The only way that happens is they raise the prices above the increase in inflation. Because if inflation goes up 3%, you raise your prices 3%, you'll still make the same profit you did the year before. I mean, assuming your volume doesn't go up, like obviously, but your your price to profit will stay the same, but their price of profit drastically increased. And... So it's like, well, you raise your prices way higher than inflation. <laughs> in your perfect world, let's say, um, and I don't mean this in a demeaning way. It may sound like it. In, yeah, your, yeah. in your perfect world, if Biden were to be elected for a second term and implement what you, a version, a somewhat realistic version of maybe what you would like, maybe the second term he would lay off the war. That'd be nice. Would the, 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 w- it? Are you concerned if at the end of the, the second Biden uh, term, if the, the debt goes from $34 trillion to $71 trillion or anything, or that's not really on your radar? Or are, like, is that... Do, do, Argentina recently, the reason they elected Javier Malay is, you know, they had horrible inflation, you know, mm-hmm. like before Hitler took over in Germany, they had horrible inflation. Oh, yep. Okay. Yep. I really don't want that shit to happen. I, I'm not bullshit. Oh, that would be a whole, that would be awful. Yeah, yeah. I don't want like it everything to just terrible. everything to just be crashing and just the economy, the currency to no. crash. So that is a big concern of mine. Um, in your per- somewhat, and I don't want to say perfect, like I'm, I know you know 
that sound, could <laughs> yeah. sound, sound uh, pie in the sky type thing. He would lay off the war a little. He'd reinvest into some, uh, maybe some student loan forgiveness, things like that. Uh, some more uh, 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 domestic welfare programs in the is the the national debt and the the amount that we're paying back on that the interest on that is that a concern at all or do, is that just here or there uh i'd say like obviously it depends on how much it goes up again there is clearly a line where if you just put way too much in it, it will cause inflation um the issue it seems to have currently with the amount of money we print and give out almost none of it actually goes to i say real people but the the people get are obviously real people but <laughs> it doesn't go to help the majority of people we got what's 1200 bucks once and then you know some extra unemployment a little bit but compared to what companies and corporations get from the money it's peanuts mm -hmm. i do think potentially one of the things that does have to happen is you you couldn't just straight go from what we currently have and add on these social programs because the money is already there the debt to gdp seems stable currently but you need to take that and reallocate it because I think one reason that we do have such a high debt to GDP ratio, because uh, our GDP is like 23 trillion. And so most of that money goes to the top, like 1%. We're not spending it. Like you just can't spend You Like they have to, like Elon Musk is going to, he's spending, he spends per year what the hell he's going to spend per year. How much more money he makes is completely irrelevant. None of it's going to go in the economy as far as like, actually spending it on goods and services he's going to invest in some other things and whatnot but like the top people you can only spend so much per year giving them more money doesn't realistically circulate through the economy like if you give somebody that makes thirty thousand dollars a year twenty thousand dollars they're going to spend at least twenty thousand dollars at a certain income level they generally spend like 110 percent of what you give them because they're so poor <laughs> they have to pay back debts and buy more stuff so they actually spend more money than you give them, which helps grow the economy. But if you so give somebody that has a, you know, already has $200 million in the bank, they're not going to spend $20,000 if you just hand them a check. They don't need to. Um, so if you took another, like, even just $2 trillion and gave it to the mass population, you could see a rise in inflation because that would be higher than if you took two trillion from the richest and gave it to the poor. Because that money is already in circulation, but they are now going to spend it. So some things could go up because a lot more people are buying those products. And you're like, oh crap, these are valuable. Let me raise my prices a little bit. So, so there would be some inflation. So your bit. real perfect scenario would involve a, a, a more substantial taxation of billionaires. Mm -hmm. And mostly because currently our system uh, gives people that have extreme levels of wealth way more power in the government because we allow money in politics if you remove money in politics i th think 
income inequality would not be quite as big of an issue. From my anarchist perspective, I'll ask, has anyone ever removed money from politics? Ever? That you know of. And lived? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, I just historically, <laughs> has there been any case, right? Because this is, I shared a meme the other day. I think it was Robin Williams. I don't even know if it was a real Robin Williams quote. I have no idea, but I shared it anyways. Yeah. Robin Williams said, supposedly, politicians should wear like NASCAR type jackets with what companies, you know, uh, Lockheed, you know, uh, uh, yeah, Raytheon yeah. or, you know, whatever their, yeah. their sponsors are so that everyone can see who their top donors yeah. are. So it's, I mean, that right there, if I, I, I don't know historically if corruption, there's some different, different angles uh, to mm -hmm. government throughout humanity. What role did the, the religion play in government's a good one. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, money, the corruption of government is why philosophically I call myself an anarchist. And it makes sense. Like there haven't been, there, ha there hasn't been a whole lengthy experiments of democratic ish type governments they were all you know from hunter gatherers to kings to monarchs even feudalism that like nobody had you know, theocracies all stuff nobody had say had a say over what happened so it's like we're still working on this crap you know it's nowhere near perfect when you and i spoke on the phone after our last episode Randall, mm -hmm. uh, we discussed that you were going to elaborate on some of the points that you had previously made and, and um, some, some of the specifics. One of the topics I asked you about is inheritance. In your somewhat ideal type situation, how do you think inheritance? If I'm worth $10 million and I die, how should that be taxed? I'm open to relatively high um, thresholds of what you can pass on to, to your relatives. Because, I mean, you know, your family, obviously, you have family to generally carry on your, your life. And a lot of people um, commit themselves to making money and doing all these things so that their kids and family have a good life after they're gone and set them up and do all these things. So I completely get that. I wouldn't tax inheritance at 100 percent but whatever line you set up to 2 million 5 million 10 million it was now 11 12 million per person or something like that like 20 ish million per couple great we'll go with that everything under that tax-free you can give that you know a mixture of property investments cash diamonds silver whatever the hell you want to pass on Everything above that, to be honest, I would probably tax it 100% because it's, it's new. So it's already new income to whoever you pass it to. They didn't work for it. They just happen to be born into a family that happens to, to have a crap ton of money or make a crap ton of money over their course of their life. You're already going to get a free well, one. You grew up with that family. So you benefited from all the things that come with that. Then when they die, you're going to get a full 10 million or 20 million if they're married at that point. And then everything else 
goes act to help the rest of the country. Um, and part of it, I think part of it that I view the like taxes as re- more removing money from the money supply to help inflation. So like once we went to a fiat currency, taxes don't like we don't tax and then spend. We spend and then taxes happen later. So like the taxes that used to happen when we didn't have a fiat currency, it was actually gold standards and all that stuff was like the government like didn't print money. It was like, hey, the US has this much gold. Here's some paper so you don't have to carry around a crap ton of gold. And that's backed by gold. So you did legitimately have to like get that back to then spend it because we couldn't just make more gold. But now there's no gold standard. So you like we just print the money. And so all we're basically hoping to do is we don't print ourselves into hyperinflation. The way you do that is remove money from the money supply, which is done with taxes. So like it switched and the way that our money supply and taxes work now is not the same as it did in 1846. So um, with taxes, a lot of that view is like, you, you get the 10 million, we're going to take the rest of it out of the supply, which frees up more money to go to more or less, less, ad, less advantaged people. People that had maybe not quite as much luck in their life or where they were born or what family they were born into, stuff like that. So it, would be, it is redistributive for sure. There's no question. Okay. What issues or topics politically that we haven't covered do you think it is is a because your your role here is you're wearing the hat of the token my token democrat friend. <laughs> um is that what 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 have we not touched on that would almost and I don't know if you're dispelling maybe any of the, you know, if you're trying to dispel maybe any negative opinions mm. people have about of democrats or but what what is something that thus far you 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 have advocated for a I guess maybe you could say more of in some ways maybe a Scandinavian style of healthcare? I mean, yeah. Yeah. In some ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um now obviously there's other parts to the government that go on other than the welfare programs. Um yeah. but controlling Trying to be aware of, of uh, avoiding hyperinflation, uh, uh, being, you know, on top of that. Avoiding entangling alliances with other countries and war overseas, things like that. Sounds like something you're a fan of. Um, yeah. What about abortion? Should be be legal everywhere? Mm-hmm. Legal? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, I hope you, <laughs> I pray you don't think the gays should be able to marry each other. I mean, I personally wouldn't marry a gay person because I'm not gay. But. <laughs> no, okay. okay. So, of course, you know, Clearly, the Libertarian yeah. Party, um, they, they say often that they're proud that ever since they started in, I think, 1971, the Libertarian Party has supported gay marriage. Oh, yeah. That, like, that's what, like, uh, social issues, I imagine we're probably much more aligned than some of the economic <laughs> issues okay. or like um, role of government 
in business is probably where we're most gonna disagree. But like, yeah, drugs should be legal. You want to like all drugs? You mm-hmm. okay? I so I could see arguments against certain ones. Like I could see an argument for fentanyl staying <clears throat> illegal, or doesn't I don't seem even to know be, if it's, it's a il- true drug. Yeah, it's illegal right now. It's illegal. Well, for right sure. Now. Okay, it, yeah. it does not seem. I mean, basically, that, every it, drug is illegal. Okay, right so now. what I'm saying is, it's illegal right now, and what's happening right now doesn't seem to be working very well. I think we can all acknowledge well, that. That's cl- clearly horrible. I mean, I don't know how we didn't learn our lesson. Prohibition. Jesus Christ, we had to, we made a constitutional amendment and then whatever, like five years later, we're like, ooh, that went horribly wrong. We need to legalize alcohol. People are going to drink, <laughs> but we can't figure that out with weed and fucking like <laughs> even cocaine and stuff like that. It's like, you still have the same balls. You can't drink and drive. You can't be on coke and drive. It is more difficult with the weed stuff because it stays in your system so much longer. So it's like, how do you, you shouldn't be able to smoke and drive, but how do you like prove they didn't so, like, if you smoke right now and you got pulled over tomorrow, you would test positive mm-hmm. for THC in your system. So that one is more difficult, but you shouldn't be able to do that. Like you can't operate machinery on drugs. Like you just have all those things stay illegal. You shouldn't be able to shoot up in the streets. You should be able to shoot up wherever the hell you want, as long as it's not, public stuff like that you still can't assault people you still like so people that do drugs and do those things it's like the thing they did was the problem not the drug like so i could see an argument for certain things i don't know if it's a true drug um there were reports a while ago it was like crocodility or something like that some outrageous new drug, drug new drug something like that that just has just un no benefits other than just like I don't want to feel anything and I don't care if I die it's like eh, I could see an argument for that being illegal but I think if you legalize tax and regulate the drug industry you could potentially come up with some type of amphetamines or uppers that give you the same type of high with less downsides because you have people, again, that do have a profit motive in this. I wouldn't take the profit motive out of this one because it would be consumer products. Well, you to make more money, you're going to want a good high mm-hmm. and less downsides. Mm-hmm. The only way to do that is research. But they're all you can't research any of this crap. So it's like the reason that you can still die from a bunch of these things is because they're putting fentanyl in it. or you don't really know how much of the active ingredients is in it because you're getting it from, even if it's a friend, they probably got it from someone who got it from someone like, you don't know. And so if you have businesses do it, they can be prosecuted for misleading labels and causing people to OD because they created the product. Like, it would make it safer. And I think you would get better products. I don't even do drugs, <laughs> but I think it should be. Legal. I can see an argument me 
argument being made that it should be on a state-by-state basis. Uh, You know, some libertarians or minarchist types would make the argument that Kentucky can make certain drugs illegal. And if we wanted to do that in our country, I would support that over what we currently have. I would be very supportive of that. In my perfect world, I don't think any drug should be illegal. I just don't. I don't think it helps with the Mexican cartels. No. I mean, that's the only reason they exist, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, the criminal the criminal element is is mm-hmm. is everything. People buying a bag of weed get shot and killed sometimes. I mean, that that yeah. happens. Yeah, it's like there's very there's a lot less shooting and killing of people that just bought a six pack at the fucking yeah. liquor store. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Now, it now happens. And, but and like alcohol is worse for you than 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 weed, in my opinion. Hundred percent. Okay, so it sounds like we agree on the drugs um, mm-hmm. issue. What do you think about, like, are you okay with 18 age of consent laws? Uh, I get to touch on all the fun topics. What do you think of age of consent laws? That's a good one. This is where people really get in trouble from the libertarian perspective. I've heard people be like, it's up to the family. Like, whoa, 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 what the hell? What? You know, so I, this is a very, very, very fucking touchy t- subject politically if you're anti-government or for anyone. But what are your, what are your thoughts on age of consent laws? I, do you think we should have them? Um, the age, I can see, I can see arguments for both. Um, Keeping at 18, some people have said drop it to 16. Some people say increase to 21. And some people say increase to 25. Um, it seems that the research is coming out with... Um, it's 21, brain, 21 can, into 25. Okay, wow. Wow. Well, I mean, we have age of consent at 21 if you want to buy alcohol. <laughs> okay. But, you know, if you want to buy other things, it's 18. Um, you know... I know sexually it's 18. Um, some states, uh, Tennessee has three years. It's three years or four years. So, like, if you're 19, you can legally be with a 16 year old, maybe 15. I can't remember if it's four years, but some states do have some wiggle room in there for <clears throat> people that have like just turned 18. If you're still in high school, like, you can still. Get with high school people, um, you know. So there's there's some leeway even across the eighteen like hard line, um, at least in some states. Um, but it's tough because I think a lot of research now is saying that like the human brain's not fully developed till around twenty five. But should that make the age of consent to where you can fully consent with someone else 25? Mm, I don't think so. I could see raising the age of being able to do certain things maybe to that. But there also don't seem to have been other... I wouldn't... I would never do a draft and... I think some of the, the military stuff of how they get people to sign up um, 18 and whatever. The only issue with, with that is a bunch of young kids have gone to die in wars that didn't need to happen, but that's not an age of consent issue. There hasn't seemed to have been a huge issue historically for the age of consent being 18 so far. 
So I don't know if that's because that's a good age or if that just happened to be kind of luck and coincidence. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. Um, for a lot of things, I'm open to like, man, if you get enough people that say, drop it to 16, what, what, I don't know, try it and see what happens. We can always change it back. What do you think of the southern border, what would be described by people on the right right now, as, and maybe even plenty on the left too, the, 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 our southern border crisis. Stupid. What, what do you mean by that? So, I don't think there's an invasion. I think there definitely has been an increase in people crossing the border. The data backs that up. Um, the Trump era policies that were in place, Biden kept those in, like the Title 42 stuff, um, Remain in Mexico policy. He kept that for a long time through his presidency. He has reversed some of that. He has relaxed some of the uh, border policies. I don't think he's gotten enough immigration judges down there to help with the increase in number of people coming across um, or wanting to come across the asylum seekers, stuff like that. We've always had immigrants come into the country legally or illegally. Um, there was a period under Obama for a few years where I believe we had a net loss of immigrants based on who was coming in versus who was leaving. We do have a net gain now um, year to year from what I understand of immigrants coming in versus immigrants leaving. Unemployment's at a historic low, so obviously they're not coming in and taking everybody's job. There's tons of job openings. They can't actually access the social safety net in the same way that citizens can if they get jobs, especially if it's paid under the table, or if they set up like the fake uh, social security numbers, like all the stuff, and they, they pay them. Like, they're still paying into social security. They'll never get it. They're paying into unemployment. They can never apply for it. Like, there's a lot of things they pay into with taxes that they'll never get the benefits of because they're not citizens. I think it's crap. I think it's terrible. It sucks for them. We have plenty of space and we have plenty of jobs. There's not, I don't think it's a crisis in the same way that it is being portrayed. I think the crisis is our immigration system sucks. And so they have to. They have to come in illegally or wait like 10 freaking years or at the earliest. And so they're exploitable. So they have to take jobs under the table. They don't have any protections. They can't really do much because the employers know them. Be like, well, we'll just call, you know, whoever would be DHS or the Border Patrol, like whoever they would call and get them deported if they speak up or they're like, well, that's dangerous. I don't want to do it. Or I need time off for my family. Like, well, if you don't come in, we can get you deported and we're going to pay you $5 an hour or even $7, $10 an hour where the going rate for that job is 15. And if they're paying under the table, they're not paying. The employer's not paying as much tax into the system as they should. But I would make, the only crisis to me is how the immigrants that come across illegally 
are generally being treated while they're in the country via the fact they can be taken advantage of because of their undocumented status. Those people should be spread out. Like, as they become, if you're able to change it, you made the immigration thing much, much easier, allow for more people to come in, you would need to spread that out across the, like, it's not just on California, Arizona, Texas, like the border states and the ones right near them. It shouldn't all be on them to just accept everybody. Then you run out of space. You do need to spread so the... Tennessee and Kentucky are getting people, right? We, we, we're getting people here. A lot of Cubans are coming to, mm-hmm. to Louisville right now. Is there mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people going into the Nashville area that you know of? Probably. I mean, so many people move to Nashville for okay, yeah. per day. I don't know the number of like... I just happened to... Transplants my... from New York, LA and stuff versus just immigrants. Okay, you know? yeah. No, I, I my wife happens to be Cuban, so I'm, I guess I'm a little more tuned into that. Um, okay, what what is a popular jab that people leaning to the right kind of take at the left that you think is funny or entertaining or, or even silly that, that, that it exists? Or is there anything that comes to mind for that type of a topic? What are some pejoratives um, that could describe you? What's a good one? Uh, uh, Captain Free Shit is Bernie Sanders. Oh, I mean, yeah, definitely does. Uh, I like the. What is a criticism of the left you think is just silly? That and if you don't have one in particular, that's okay. I'm just trying to think because I've got, I'm interviewing a Democrat. I got to yeah. capitalize on this. Doesn't happen every day. Well, I mean, it depends how conspiratorial you want to go but like um i think the one that is probably the funniest or weirdest one to me is uh like this soy boy stuff for like men on the left or okay beta pussies and like yeah that stuff and they're not masculine stuff like that like doesn't really make any sense like there's people on both sides that are that way. Like That's it's just humans in general. <laughs> There's a range of like that. But so then part of my counter to that is currently on portions of the right. There's a lot of the anti-trans stuff because men are men, women are women. But whoa, then whoa, whoa, y'all... whoa. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. That was a stupid joke. You said men are no, men. No, men are men, women are women. I was trying to go, whoa, you can't say that. Okay, go on. Sorry, I'll shut that's, up. That's that's what people on the right are saying. Okay. But then at the same time, arguing, right-wing men are more manly and masculine than left-wing men. But by that definition, you're saying there is a range. And that's basically what the trans stuff is about. There's a range in gender. Okay. So either we're all the same men and women are basically all the same as a like gender thing. There's no fluidity, but then you can't have alphas and betas and a range of masculinity because if you go farther down masculinity, it would turn into femininity, which would be a woman trait. So like, how do you have both? Those don't actually coincide. (laughs) To me, that's how I view it. Randall, how much do you weigh? Uh, usually between 160, 165 pounds. 
I weigh 174, I think. I'm a purple belt who does not compete. You're a black belt who does compete. I lean to the right. You lean to the I'm left. Trying to take a break this year. So. Okay. <laughs> I, re- I lean to the right. You lean to the left. Does yeah. that mean I would automatically beat you in jujitsu? Is that what that means? Because the, the, the men who lean to the right. I mean, the clearly. Right, clearly, that's the math that works, right? Yeah, yeah. Because ma- yeah. male, males are more physically dominant than women. And so since I would be closer to the, the woman side of, of that, you, you should win that, you know. <laughs> I almost told myself I wasn't going to go into this topic, <laughs> but we are on it now. Um, I mean, hey, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, what do you think of like drag queen story hour? Is that blown out of proportion by the people on the right? Yeah, I think so. Because like, there's children don't inherently view sexuality. They're not sexual yet. They haven't gone through puberty. Unless you have extremely early onset of puberty, stuff like that. So a dude dressed up with makeup, wigs, dresses, and has a deep voice, they're just like, here's a person in a dress with a wig and makeup, and they're reading me hat in hat. But if they were talking, no, like, if they were talking about sexual things to the kids or making sexual movements or anything like that, you would not approve of that. Oh, of course, yeah. Okay, okay. Because okay. I mean, I mean that, like that wouldn't matter if they're drag queen or, well, I guess, yeah, straight person or because I guess a male doing that to female children would be straight. But yeah, like that would just be potential sexual assault of children like no matter who does it that's you, you would acknowledge that type of thing probably has happened but the degree to which it has happened has mm-hmm. been largely overblown by the right i think so yeah i mean yeah i can't say for sure it's zero but it's not anywhere to the level of other aspects of society that have engaged with claiming to help children or be involved in children's you know where boy scouts church obviously there's plenty of teachers that have done that most sexual assault happens among family members statistically so it's like they're not all drag queens the you know the odds of a drag queen or trans person or even gay person because that's uh what it was in the nineties and early two thousands. Um, they're all going to have sex with your kids and all that stuff. And society is going to go to hell 20 years later. Now the exact, literally the exact same verbatim arguments are being said about trans people. And it's like, what well, it didn't really happen with the gay people, with gay people, nothing really fundamentally changed that much. There wasn't a drastic increase in, sexual assaults among kids among gay people it's like why would that change with trans people i'm watching sopranos and an issue came up with that with uh a scene and one of the kids was saying that the writer of the book the point of the book was from uh a gay person who was being repressed and he was being i forget i don't know the name of the book but the mom was like that's ridiculous they're trying to interject a gay agenda into schools and talking to the kids and make them all like gay and everything's gay now and this and that I was like I was like holy shit this is from like 2004 and it's 
It's a literal same exact argument about the trans stuff. They just moved the goalpost. <laughs> so it, I, I don't see it being a big issue. If there's a, a Republican podcaster or news personality or or you just whoever, I don't know if it's Sean Hannity or, or uh, you know, maybe Ben um, Shapiro or who, but if there's someone who embodies the, the, the shitty Republicans the best, according to Randall Sanders in 2024, January 2024, oh and you had to choose just one, who is the shittiest Republican on, on social media or, or anywhere? Um, man, it's hard I mean, okay, I'll accept if Sean. Sean you- okay. Handy's been doing it for a long time. Okay, and he's he does seem to be very inconsistent, depending on who is running and or in office. Um, I don't know if that's because of how long he has actually been on radio and TV. So potentially some things do change. There's things you could go back and look that I posted from like 2006. And it's like, well, I think I was wrong then because I don't, you know, I've evolved, but it doesn't seem he does that. It seems like I'm team Republican, no matter what they do is correct. Team Democrat, everything they do is wrong. Even if they do the same thing, Mm. like the NSA spying stuff, under Bush, he was, it was basically uh, there's clips and everything. This is fine. It doesn't matter if you don't have anything to hide. Who cares? Obama gets elected. He's like, oh my God, he's spying on Americans. This is take First Amendment, this thing. It's like, but he's like two years apart and it's the exact same program. <laughs> you don't care either way. You just want brownie points over here and negatives over here. And there's a lot of ish- things like that that I think he does probably more than more than most. Maybe that's why he's been on air for so fucking long. I think so. <laughs> right? He's good at it. Like, it's not, yeah. he's good at it. Yeah, and to be honest, this is not a compliment to Biden, but I guess he's, Biden has to be considered one of the best politicians in the history of the country for being a politician. I'm not saying he's good, I'm not saying I agree with much he says or does, but like, how long was he in the Senate? Um, for playing the game, Mitch the, McConnell. Mitch McConnell also deserves to be in that conversation. Oh, Mitch McConnell's one of the most effective legislators probably ever. The amount of stuff he got through that was that he wanted, and the amount of stuff that he was able to block they didn't want. The amount of judges he was able to get through. The the amount of times he could keep his party in line even when fractures looked like they were going to happen to keep getting things through. I mean, it's remarkable. The dude's good at what he did. I don't agree with the stuff he did with it, but he was very effective. (laughs) I wish the left had somebody like him. He he lives about 10 minutes from my house, actually. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I, guess, I don't know about cool, but... Yeah, no, I guess not. He got assaulted in, I think it was a Qdoba that's like five minutes from my house is the one he got like assaulted in a few years ago. And, and 
I have no problem with people yelling at politicians while they're out or doing all this stuff, but like, bro, don't assault people. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Like, voice your opinion or whatever, but man, don't assault people. So you're going to vote for Biden for 2024. Do you have predictions about uh, uh, um, who? Okay, so you think Trump will be the Republican nominee? Barring death. Barring death. Yeah. Okay. Even, I think even if he gets convicted, I think he'll still, on any of the charges, I think he'll still be the nominee. I don't think they'll hold him off the ballot. Okay. Who do you predict will be his vice presidential choice? Oh, God. Putting um, you on the spot there, huh? That's what a good interviewer does, constantly putting you on yeah. the spot, asking you questions you never thought you'd have to answer. I think Christy Gnome's a pretty okay. high percentage. Um, she has a pretty low profile. She's objectively attractive, which Trump clearly likes. <laughs> she doesn't like it. She doesn't go out of her way to take the spotlight, which he also likes. And she's going to back him 100%. She's not going to go against him. Um, I don't think Trump personally cares what policies anybody around him supports other than you are correct, Trump. <laughs> That's the only policy he cares that they agree with um, from what it seems. And I think she's fairly popular. Um, it'll be a way to combat, again, uh, I think both sides do the stupid identity politics. But Biden has Kamala Harris. So now he's like, well, we got a woman. We don't hate women. Women vote for us. Um, again, she, I think, can speak well. She'll do all right in debates. Um, no matter what, it'd be hard to find somebody that's a worse politician than Kamala Harris. Good Lord. And so she would probably win those debates if anybody actually cared um, about the vice presidential debates. But I don't think Christy Noem would like make it massive flubs and create these huge news cycles. And that's generally what Trump wants to avoid with people around him. He wants to be the center of, of those. And so I think she would allow him to do that, um, but also could help get stuff done because I didn't, you know, she's been in government. She kind of knows relatively how it works okay good stuff well randall i feel we've covered you know at least a few different of the topics yeah um i appreciate you coming back on before we wrap up the episode i don't know if you're active on twitter or you know what if someone's interested in interacting with you or knowing anything about you you're not that's not what you're trying to do you just enjoy <laughs> the conversation i think is that right yeah i mean if people want to follow me on instagram randall dot sanders 21 but i don't post a whole lot of political stuff on there it's mostly there's jujitsu stuff and family stuff whatever um facebook's more like political posting stuff political interaction stuff um i tried to get on twitter and that was a nightmare back before it was x so i gave up on that <laughs> okay well um, I appreciate you coming on the show. I just I hadn't been following you there on, on Instagram. I do now. So um, I really appreciate you oh, coming yeah, on the can. show and giving a representation to people who are voting for Biden. Um, so thank you very much for your time. And I appreciate everything. Thank you. I appreciate it a whole lot. I had a lot of people told me that 
even uh, we disagreed. They listened to the whole last one and they they liked it. And okay. Like, oh, I like the perspective. It was nice to hear the back and forth. There wasn't scream. There wasn't craziness. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I was like, cool. That's what we're going for. Yeah, that's definitely the game plan. Would you ever want to like? I, I I don't know if I want to venture into what like hosting debates. You know, that type of thing. Oh, I mean, if you did, I'm up for it. What would yeah. be a topic you like to debate someone on? Uh, literally anything. I've, I've debated what are constitute sandwiches. If a hot dog counts as a sandwich, how you construct a sandwich. I've debated if America is inherently racist before. I've okay. <laughs> like any top. I don't care. I'd take a stance, or if it's political, it would be the left side. But even other stupid debates, I could take a stance and <laughs> debate somebody about you know whatever. We'll see if someone listening finds a debate topic or, or opponent and has any type of nomination for Randall. I would love yeah. to hear it. And um, so maybe we'll get some comments in the comment section and that type of thing. So I appreciate everyone tuning in. Of course, we will have another episode of The Kelly Patrick Show out soon. Thank you.